All right, hello everybody. Welcome to Idle Chat. I am Jonathan Idle, aka Johnny Idle. Thank you so much for listening. Before we get to today's guest, I just wanted to do a quick reminder that we have our giveaway this week. Go on to our Facebook page, Idle Chat Podcast, and leave your best candle-related gift because we are giving away two Sozel jar candles, right? Is that what, jar candles? Yeah, Sozel, they're the company that we plugged last week. They're very good friends of ours. They're all natural. They're soy-based, which is a cleaner burn, and they're non-toxic, and they're easy cleanup, and longer-lasting because of the soy base, and they support U.S. farmers. So there's literally no catch. Just go on there, leave your weirdest candle-based gift. There's already some good uh, contenders in there, to be clear. So show up, and there's no catch. We'll get you these candles, and uh, that's it. So thank you very much. So we have the return of my friend Perry Von Vicious. How are you, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me back. Are you kidding me? I was so excited. Like, as as I'm sure you understand, there's uh, the access to guests right now isn't exactly easy and to have you somebody who i enjoy talking with as a bonus uh to, to say hey i'm free can i come back on i'm like you bet so thanks for being here yeah you know glad to do it cool so we left i feel like we could talk for hours and i felt as though the last time we had you here again i'm so worried about time and there's still so much more that we could talk about and uh <laughs> and still so much more and now you know the questions at the end too so you'd be a little more prepared for that that's and true yeah <laughs> I, as i told you before we got rolling i have notes prepared <laughs> oh very good i like that excellent you know what i forgot to bring up last time mm-hmm. i forgot to mention that thing you were in the like the up-and-comers oh yeah yeah uh, in, in pwi in right pwi yeah uh so uh, again, you know, one of those things that uh, makes me seem both like, like, wow, he really had a shot a decade ago. Um, <laughs> in uh, in, I want to say it was late 2011. Uh, I, I don't know the month off the top of my head. Uh, I was featured as the the one to watch in uh, PWI. PWI. For those of you that don't know, that's a very popular uh, professional wrestling magazine that's been around forever. Yeah, so. yeah, it was, and it was, it was such a cool feeling because you know, you, you I, when I was in middle school and high school, I would get like the PWI almanac and I would oh, bring yeah. it around and be reading it. And, oh yeah, uh, you know, occasionally I'd get copies of just the regular monthly magazine and and I'd see that. But of course, everyone wants the PWI 500 every year. Yeah, where they rank the top 500. Yeah, I never got in that. Uh, I was in it actually just a few months after they used me as a, a one to watch. Oh, I, cool. I had the prestigious number of 492. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, uh, to think of all the people left off the list, it's pretty good. To think of all the people left on the list, I think I had a ways to go. Um, <laughs> Uh, it also felt a little less prestigious when uh, about a month later they were like, oh, uh, so when we look back over the list, we uh, we skipped a bunch of numbers. How do you, how do you, how, yeah. You have one job, dude. You like, didn't have <laughs> anyone proofread this? Like, you don't have a template from the previous 40 years you've done this thing? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like, they just they just don't have a thing that they click on. All right, there's one through 500, put in names. They, they, yeah. they, they skip numbers. So what I found out was if you were just going along counting, if they didn't write a number next to anyone's name and you started at number one that year who was a, a CM Punk. Okay. And just started down the list. You would have thought that I was ranked like 485th, which is uh, a market improvement as oh, far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then they added a bunch of people in after that, and uh, <laughs> did not change my number. That's okay though. At least it didn't it didn't push you out the back end. You right. know what but, I mean? But if they were so forgettable, you left them off the list in the first place. Just put them at the end. 
They I, couldn't have been that good. <laughs> I agree now, with you. Now I'm going to find out who they were, because I don't know who it was they added after. I'm going to find out it's like friends of mine or something, or like someone really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel awful. Well, if it's friends of yours, then whatever, you right. know, so. Well, and, and uh, now uh, the the 500 every year is basically like, well, let's see how many of my friends are in it this year. Because every year it's like, well, here's 40 like people I've been in cars with this year. Right, right, right. Are all in the list. Some Some of them like in the top 200. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, yeah. right? Oh, it's 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 absolutely bizarre. It's, it's crazy. So weird. I, for the longest time, and I'm sure it's still this way too. I would always, I'd be on shows, and there would be some guy on the show with the PWI 500 being the prestigious number 500. <laughs> Which, if yeah. you think about it, that is that's the second most popular. Oh, yeah. You There's know, two numbers you remember. Who's number one? Who's number 500? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that was pretty cool. Well, and now it's become uh, kind of an overused joke on Twitter every year. If you're left off the list, you post, well, I was number 501. Yeah. <laughs> so you see like 70 guys post that the of day course. it comes out every and year. And they all think they're the first one to post that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Every Everyone's, uh, everyone's a brilliant mind in comedy until they actually watch some comedy. <laughs> But yeah, uh, it was it was a really cool feeling, and um, you know, I, I have it, I have it here somewhere. Yeah, I've I've always heard, uh, you know, I hear a lot of guys who are kind of bitter. Yeah, saying like, oh well, you know, they they buy their spot in that. It's a, it's a paid spot. You you know, you you enter in when they tell you you're accepted. You have to pay for it. No, not I, true. I didn't pay for it, and they reached out to me. Yeah, that's like, and I know that's not the case all the time, but yeah. I think it's because I had just been in the magazine right, right, right. like a couple months earlier. And a guy reached out and said, "Hey, uh, we're putting you in the 500. Can you uh, can you fill this out real quick?" And it was just some questions in an email. Now I find out there's a form on the site for consideration. I have no idea. Oh, so who knows? I could have been in it again if I'd been filling that form out every year and they'd remembered who I was. But I think I filled it out twice. <laughs> think, uh, you know. So so basically, you you you've been way more on top of having a career in that industry than I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the other Johnny Idol, the one that's uh, that's right, the one that's from it's it's spelled with like. An IE instead of a Y, or maybe he no, has an H. There's an H. No H. Yeah, there's yeah. an H. Yeah, I think he's. I want to say it? he's from Mexico, or he wrestled I, a lot in Mexico. I wrestled a lot in Mexico and in um, uh, Great Britain. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that stuff, you know. So you sure, that wasn't you. Might have been. Huh. Yeah, my alter. Hey, so did you always have wrestling magazines in school? Oh yeah, constantly. How many times did you hear? He just likes to look at pictures of guys in tights. Uh, you know, I didn't hear it that much. I was, I was in high school right at like that huge rise in, in wrestling. It was right. rock Austin. Oh yeah. So everybody knew wrestling and, you know, it was still the WCW, WWF oh, yeah. wars. So everybody knew, I mean, you know, Austin 316 and DX shirts and NWO shirts were everywhere oh, yeah. all day. And, uh, so I didn't really get mocked too much for it. At least no more, you know, no more than I was ever mocked for any of my other interests. And in fact, probably way less than like, like being a huge weird Al fan. I got, I got shit on for that all the time. We're going to talk about him in a minute too. I'm going to, yeah. I got to talk to you about him in a oh, second. By all means. But I oh, was, so I, no, I started, I first got into professional wrestling in the seventies. You know, this is before that was your first match was in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Well, no, if you think about it, my first match was, my first match was... Against a young up-and-coming Nick Bockwinkle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That kid had some, he, I knew he had a future. And, no, I. my first match was what? It was you, just, you carried him, you carried him. Yeah, yeah. Less than 20 years after I first got into wrestling, my first match. But I, 
it was a set. This is before Hulkamania. Wow. You know, this is like this was, you know, and 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 people, you know, it wasn't as mainstream. People either either loved it or hated it, which I guess that's the same, you know, as it is yeah. now. But yeah. but I heard that so and everybody thought they were the first one to say it. Oh yeah. You know, that oh you just like to look at me. You know what the new one is? Everybody thinks they're the first person to to, to get in touch with me about this for I bet it happened a half dozen times. When the videos of Joey Ryan with his uh, dick yeah, grab yeah. Uh, spot, for those of you who don't know, this guy Joey Ryan did a thing where guys would grab him by the balls, and then he would like hulk up and flex, and it was as if his penis was hurting this person's arm. Yeah. And I hate him so much for that. Okay, that's well, fine. He, you know, he's gone now. He's, he's oh yeah, he's he, been canceled. Oh yeah, he got in all kinds of trouble, right? Yeah, I I never bother like sexual harassment or something, right? Yeah, something like that. I, yeah. I never bother looking any of it up, but I just know, you know, when when the consensus comes down as strongly as it did, that's very worrisome. Uh, I'd been on a lot of shows with him and never had a problem, but I also never worked with him, right? And I'm not a woman, right? And, yeah, I'm this great big white guy who is super privileged to never really get messed with by anybody. Right, right, right. Uh, so, you know, I'm certainly not one to speak either way on it. But, yeah. Uh, uh, it surprised and very much disappointed me. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I, I like goofy, weird stuff in wrestling. Yeah. and I, I hate that spot. I so. kind of like that. Well, you also hated the sprinkles. I hated the sprinkles. You hated the sprinkles. But... I hated the sprinkles. I hate the uh, I hate the slow motion, non-existent uh Hand grenade, yeah. but they, but like, a teeter totter is fine. Yeah, a teeter totter is fine. Well, water water that, pump is fine. I'll tell you exactly why. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly why. Yeah, you're actually if you're if you were floating over something that the rope wasn't there mm-hmm. in the teeter totter spot. If you guys don't know, no, the guy's like sitting on the middle rope and his out his his body is outside and his legs are inside. And he'd take a punch and he would go. Would, if you got hit in oh, the yeah. head yeah. and you were sitting in a situation like that and you got hit in the head, would you not pull yourself back up to try to fall uh, to try to keep yourself from falling on your head? I would, but I think the physics of the other guy pushing the feet down to bring him back up doesn't work. That's how water pumps work. Well, sure, but not on a human with joints. <laughs> That's not how a lever works. I mean, we can talk physics. Is, is that is this a physics podcast? <laughs> I think so. Okay, but but listen, I can I can I can negate that all day. Sure. The rope is actually there. Yep. The fucking That's hand true. grenade isn't. Okay. Okay, and then everybody starts running in slow motion to run away from an, a hand grenade that doesn't exist. Maybe, maybe you're a little too worried about this. I'm not really that worried about. It. I really don't care about it anymore. But anyway, no, you seem pretty psyched up about it. <laughs> <laughs> the point I was trying to make is every single time that when when it first happened, every time that video of Joey Ryan, somebody would post it on my Facebook page, like, "Hey, you adding this to your repertoire?" And they yeah. would laugh like they're the first person to ever say it to me. Ha 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 ha. Well, there's there's also a, a clip from TNA a few years back, uh, Scott Steiner and uh, Christian. Scott yeah. Steiner's got Christian by the head on the outside, like he's gonna run his head into the stairs. Yeah. Oh. And Scott Steiner never moves, and Christian runs his own head into yeah. the stairs, and Steiner's left behind with his hands empty. Yeah. And people will post that and write, "If pro wrestling's fake, explain this." <laughs> and I like that. Yeah, that's Cause, funny. Because, like, you know, I think at this point everyone's in on the gag. Right. And I think that the comedy stuff like that is great if it's used in the right situation. It's fantastic. You know, I, I mean, uh, I just think there's smarter ways to do it. So, like, I would I would liken it to what we talked about last time, the Bugs Bunny spot with Shane Cody. Yeah, right. Where we go in the bathroom and I come out wrapped up like a mummy spitting water everywhere. But he still kicked the shit out of you in the bathroom when you came out after he gave you a swirly. 
Nobody saw you not getting the swirly and wrapping right. yourself in but toilet think, paper. But I think everyone could pretty much understand that when we went back in again and came out with the same result, that that was the punchline. We had done a setup and delivered a punchline. Well, line. sure, but right. Well, and and, and similarly, so I, I had another. We'll, we'll talk about another goofy spot. Long as we're on comedy wrestling, you'll, why not? You'll love this. Oh, I'm sure I'm gonna love it. I don't think we ever got to do this together, but we would have. Okay. Uh, there was a guy in California. Mother Truckin' yeah, Otis. I, yeah, I remember. You, you, you sent me a picture of him and said, I got to work with this guy this weekend. What am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the very first thing he and I came up with, because he was like, oh, I like to do some comedy stuff. I don't really, you know, bump around a whole lot. And I was like, okay, I can I can work with this. Uh, soon as we go to tie up, I stomp one of his feet. Yeah. He starts hopping around holding right. that foot. Yeah. I stomp the other foot while he's hopping, and he drops to both knees. So I've got him down now. Mm-hmm. And I just give him one good pop in the face. He's a huge hillbilly, oh, right? Yeah, huge hillbilly. Yeah. Uh, he has he has that uh, sort of rockabilly, like gray hair and a big uh, punk rock swoop. Uh, nice, cool. nice little uh, well done pompadour. Uh, covered I, covered with punk rock tattoos. I've been working on that pompadour, man. Oh, but you don't have the gray like he has, man. Mm-hmm. You'll, I mean, you get there. Well, I'll get there. How have I not gone gray? By the way, it's crazy. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead as you were. Um, I mean, at your age. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. That's what I'm saying. Uh. So um so I, I I get I get him down on his knees, pop him one, and he just falls back. So now he's on the ground. I reach for his it would be right leg. So I reach to my left. He steps that leg over his left leg. Mm-hmm. I reach for the left leg. He steps it under the other one. I step. So now he's doing the curly shuffle, <laughs> s- slow, and I'm keep reaching, and then it goes faster and faster and faster till I'm running around him full speed in a circle while he's doing the curly shuffle. I shit can myself out of the ring. He stands up and gives me the whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> Okay, see, I come I love in, that. I come in and charge him, and he El Toro's me, and I go out the other side, and he yells, nyuck, nyuck, nyuck. And what I'm saying is, this is clearly ridiculous. If you're in a fight, and the guy starts curly shuffling his feet away from you, you're going to kick him between the eyes. Well, sure, that is true. So, But at least you're reaching for an actual foot. Well, I also did get El Toro'd by a... You know, uh, 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 a giant uh, uh, a bull a bull scarf that wasn't there. Yeah, I got to tell you, I, I, I like that spot. I would have done that spot. <laughs> this is what I'm saying, is I think used properly, I think any of these can be pretty good. Yeah. A lot of people, they think, like, people will say, oh, this is, this is my argument, okay? Mm-hmm. Here's my argument. You, wanna, you don't like professional wrestling, you don't like professional wrestling. Sure. That's fine. They don't like it, that's great. But but then they come at me and they and they... Like they find, I don't go at them, you know. I don't say, well, right. why don't you like it? Because because everything is subjective. Yeah. So when they come at me and they say, oh well, I don't watch that because it's fake. It's such a lazy excuse. Yeah, because they they watch Marvel movies. They watch Marvel movies. They 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 watch fucking sitcoms. Those things aren't really happening. Yeah. You want to say you don't like it because it's stupid? You don't want it. That's fine. But did it say, unless you're only reading nonfiction and watching documentaries, you know, then it's yeah. hypocritical, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? Well, and I've, you know, long before I even started wrestling, I, I always kind of looked at wrestling through like a theater lens. Yeah. And uh, I used to tell my friends in college when, you know, because even, even in college, I mean, I think by the time you hit that age, it should be to the point where like, oh, well, I guess that person likes wrestling. And that's the end of the conversation right. if you don't like it. But the ones who would occasionally say, like, really? That? Like, yeah. What do you? And I would just tell them, I'm like, you know, pro wrestling's for anyone. 
It's not for everyone. Right, right. Just like literally everything else on planet Earth. Yes. I mean, punk rock is for anyone, not for everyone. Agreed. And uh, yeah, I, I would I would tell them that, and it it kind of worked on a few of my friends. It worked. I it I would it, anytime I ever said that to people and I said oh you're just being lazy it's a it's it's a yeah. really stupid thing to say and here's why it usually ended the conversation you know and then and and then they, well then they would say well but they're trying to they're trying to pitch it as legitimate competition I say no they they haven't done that since the 90s when Vince McMahon was getting sued for the steroid trial yeah and I mean even even then I think the number of people who were fans who were surprised by that was very small very like, yeah, the percentage there was inconsequential. I had a I had a friend of mine who was that was his argument. They're passing it off as legitimate competition, and he goes, "It's not like the UFC." And I'm like, "Do I have to find the things uh, on UFC that were actually fixed fights? Do I have to find that?" Yeah, I can find mixed martial arts fights there. Well, who went down? Was it um, was it Kimbo? No, it was somebody else. Like we got knocked out, and then they showed the punch, and I missed him by three inches. Uh, so it's like, wh- which uh, which territory is that? Do those guys work for Stu? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I had someone once tell me, like, this isn't wrestling. Wrestling is what they do in colleges and in the Olympics. And okay. I just told him, oh, you mean that thing they're removing from the Olympics because the ratings aren't good enough to keep doing it? <laughs> the oldest sport on planet Earth, and they're taking it out of the Olympics because it's no longer viable as a source of entertainment. That is your argument? You want what we do to be more like that? You want multi-billion dollar industry to be more like the thing that they're dropping from the Olympics? <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I, well, I, and I explained people, too. I said the things that the actual wrestling and the holds that we do, they're legitimate. Some of them. Some of them are legitimate. Exactly. Like some of the holds, you could break somebody's arm. You just don't. I mean, you could absolutely break someone's leg with a figure four leg lock. Absolutely. Not even on purpose. You just don't. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then what? Somebody did win a mixed martial arts uh, fight not too long ago. I don't think it was a UFC. I think it was like a a lower. Some some other company. Some other company. And the guy uh, won his fight with a Boston Crab. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's great. Anyone who's been in a Boston Crab in a wrestling match knows that it is very uncomfortable, yeah. and there's get, basically nothing you can do about it once you're in it. Get get a guy who who can't work, a big overweight guy who can't work. Have him put you in a figure, uh, put you in a a Boston Crab, and then lose his balance and fall back down on the small of your back while he's still holding on your legs. We'll see how you feel the next or day. Or worse yet. <laughs> Have them put you in it when you're already hurt. I mean, the fight's oh, already yeah. been going on at that point. Oh, yeah. I have a, the, the first time I ever got, like, good and injured in a wrestling match was in California. It was uh, the culmination of this, uh, this feud I'd been having with Dylan Drake, who was okay. uh, top, you know, top baby face in um, all pro wrestling at the okay. time. Uh, you know, th- that's uh, we talked about that last time. They brought me in, gave me the Young Lions Cup yes. my first night. Yes, uh, I won a tournament. And I'm sure, people loved you. At the, the end of the room. night, I attacked their champion and cost him his title. Okay, that was Dylan Drake. Okay, started a feud with us, and uh, the culmination of the feud was a hair versus chicken suit match, <laughs> where if I won, he had to cut his hair. He had beautiful hair. Okay, and if I lost, my manager Matthew Theall had to dance in the ring in a chicken suit. <laughs> Let me guess who won over in that match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in the final moments of the match, and I hadn't been feeling good the whole day. I'd, I'd felt terrible. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just 
I felt I felt awful. Yeah. And even even Dylan, who like I wasn't close with, but like, you know, we'd worked a bunch of times. He saw me before the show and came up and he goes, you, you all right, man? You look kind of out of it. And I was like, no, I think I think I'm just tired or something. I didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. About two thirds of the way through the match, I just had no wind left. Everything felt awful. Every part of my body felt bad. Okay. And I started to slip a little. Okay. Just nothing was nothing was going right. And um he gave me a splash mountain. You know, it's a the crucifix, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a razor's edge pop up into a sit out power bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he did, I don't know, I think my I didn't keep my arms tight enough to get a good launch. Please tell me you shit your pants. Please. No, oh, no. Okay. I, right. I I do not have a direct shit my pants story. Um well, I do. We'll tell one of those later. I mean I've got a close one, a close call. But uh <laughs> so we landed off. I caught the ricochet of the ring. Oh, on a real big so bump, bad. and it knocked the wind out of me so bad. Oh yeah, that in that spot, I forgot that I wasn't supposed to kick out. My manager, Matthew Thiel, is supposed to get up on the apron and distract the ref. So I hear one, two, and I kick out as the ref goes away, mm. which already like that's not normal. Yeah, even even if I've had the wind knocked out of me, I know where I am in a right. match. Something's off. What I realized later watching it back was when I came down, I also rocked my head. I concussed myself awesome. on that bump. So Dylan gets up. You know, I go over to speak with the ref. Dylan bumps me into my own manager. I sell around. He goes up for his finishing combination every time. Beautiful big top rope crossbody. Then puts you in the sharpshooter, which he called the beta breakers. Okay. For the, the run that happens in San Francisco every year. Oh, okay. He came off this crossbody and... I mean, he even said it was probably a little bit him, probably a little bit me. I don't think it was either of us. I think it was just a bad bump. His knee came right into my oh. side, and I broke a rib. Oh, yeah. So Not concussed, 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 you feel rib, nauseous, or feel and, then, and you break a rib. With a freshly broken rib, yeah. he turns me into a sharpshooter. Oh, God. And I, you know... I'm thinking in my head, okay, I've been in this long enough. Now I can tap because right. you don't you don't tap right away. There's got to be some suspense. Watching the video back, I was in that hold for about one second before I started tapping because in my mind it had been an eternity. Yeah, but... <laughs> and I start doing that big, yeah. you know, pound the mat, yeah, yeah, tap yeah. out. I did that twice, and then all of a sudden my elbow just stays on the ground to support that side of my oh. body, and I'm just tapping from the wrist with this little like. <laughs> Little birdie wing, just blip, 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 blip. <laughs> and uh, they ring the bell, and I'm supposed to do a bit after that where I'm supposed to stop him from putting the chicken suit on my manager. I just told the ref, I was like, I, I can't, I can't do anything. I have to get out of this ring. I, I can't do anything right now. I have to get out of this ring. And he was like, What's wrong? And I was like, I, I, I am broken. <laughs> he was like, He was like, Okay, uh, we'll, we'll figure something out. I roll out of the ring and crawl through the audience, through their entryway, and walk around the building to get back in the locker room. I get back in the locker room, and Matthew Thiel comes marching back into the locker room in the chicken suit, <laughs> going, what the hell? This is the worst rib that's ever been played out. And he's just shouting because the sound guy saw me leaving and thought, oh, they changed what they're doing. And he queued up the chicken dance was, the second Theal had that suit on. I gotta whole, tell you, I was gonna wasn't ask you, to please, happen. please tell me the chicken suit was a, the chicken. Yeah, whole bit, whole bit wasn't supposed to happen, and now Theal is stuck, staring down like they had some other baby faces come out to make him do it, staring down a ring full of baby faces in the chicken suit while the song comes on. So he had no choice; he had to dance. 
And he comes in the locker room, absolutely rip shit, until he looked at me yeah. and saw that I was, I mean, I'm pale to begin with, but like I was translucent at this point. And I'm just holding one side of myself and like out of breath and not getting my breath. The end of this story for why I didn't feel good to begin with yeah. is uh, the next day I'm just feeling worse and worse as the day is going on. And finally I'm like, oh God, that concussion must have been worse than I thought it was. So I go to the ER. And while I'm waiting to be seen, I start to feel nauseous. I get up and I just start vomiting oh. in their bathroom over and over. And I think it's the concussion still. Turns out I'd gotten a really bad stomach flu from, I was a teacher in Oakland oh, yeah. at the time. And, and there was a, something going around that I didn't know about. And I'd gotten a really bad stomach flu. So I spent the next three days vomiting with a freshly broken rib and a concussion. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, I will say. Lost 15 pounds in 72 hours. Oh, good. Uh, I don't recommend that as a weight loss strategy, but it is effective. Well, I, I always <laughs> say that the three the three best diets I ever went on, and and all three of them will... Uh, will uh, well, by the way, guys, we're outside. You're going to hear a lawnmower. You're going to hear stuff. We're, out on the, we're socially that's distant. My, that's my rides here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're socially distant on the porch, and so you might... Yeah. Anyway, the three best diets I ever went on, and all three of them, I lost 10 pounds overnight. The first one was the, oh, I didn't know I'm allergic to lobster diet. Ooh. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. no. The second one is the food poisoning diet. I've oh. had that one a couple of times. Oh. And, and the third one is the food poisoning diet's hillbilly cousin, the alcohol poisoning diet. These are all very good, but I don't recommend them, but they work right, really right. well. Yeah, yeah. Very effective. Uh, not, <laughs> yeah. not super pleasant to go through. Yeah. And can I add, too, by the way, leave it to a manager to watch you get the crap beat out of you and get mad about having to put on a chicken suit. He had no idea I was hurt. <laughs> I he know, but still. That, he thought he told me later that he thought me and Dylan and the sound guy and everybody else involved had gotten together and put this rib on him. That's a, first of all, if it was a rib, what a great rib. What you a, still can't get rib. hot at that. What a rib. You can't get hot at that. That's no. so good. Let's talk about those guys. Uh, you mentioned Matt. I what a good yeah. guy. I met, you know, I met Matt a few years ago and they they stayed at my house and they were up here for a little run for a while. Yeah. I, what a great guy. And uh, when the first time I met him, I told you, he's the West Coast Marshal. Oh yeah. And it was fantastic cuz I get there and they say, "Oh, we're going to we're going to put you with this manager." And I'd only been managed by one person ever prior to that and it was Marshall. Yeah. And they go, "Have you ever worked with a manager?" And I said, "Uh yeah, kind of a kind of a rounder uh, gay gentleman who uh, comes to the ring with a, a croquet mallet." Yeah. And they said, what? <laughs> and I went, what? And they go, well, this is Matthew Thiel, who was a rounder gay guy who came to the ring with a golf putter. <laughs> they dressed virtually the same. Yeah. Uh, they looked an awful lot alike. Uh, the only difference was Thiel was a few years younger. And yeah. honestly, working with him immediately felt like being in a car. I mean, he was he was to me what Marshall was to you. Yeah. We were in cars together all the time. We fought like an old married couple. Oh, yeah. We had bits that only we understood, <laughs> yeah. that no one else laughed at, that right. we'd, we'd practice and <laughs> do in front of people in the locker room. No <laughs> one got it. Uh, and we did, the two of us together did every hokey, awesome, carny, goofy, stupid manager spot imaginable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, did, uh, we did where he was banned from ringside. And uh, then halfway through the match, a rather frumpy woman 
dressed like Mimi from the Drew Carey show, yeah. took her seat in the front row. Yeah. And during the climax of the match when the ref was knocked out, she came in the ring and bashed my opponent over the head with her purse, and then a brick fell out. <laughs> uh, and that, of course, was uh, Matthew Thiel portraying his, his female cousin, Marsha McNeil, as we named her. Which is what Marshall did. He wrestled in drag as Marsha McNeil. Yeah, so Marsha had a West Coast run. <laughs> yeah, that's um, great. Uh, we did uh, we did the bit where we had a, a, a handicap match, and uh, it's me and him against the babyface. Yeah. And he came out, and no one expected him ready to wrestle. He came out dressed in his normal garb, but with uh, his gloves taped, his hands taped up like he was, you know, Mick Foley going into a barbed wire match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes out, and then I do the whole remove my suit thing. Yeah. He takes off his sweater vest to yeah. reveal that underneath he's wearing a singlet with elbow pads and uh, a Perry Von Vicious t-shirt. So good. And then he, he tries to tear his pants off, but they're not tear away. So he falls on his ass and then I'm like yanking them off of him. <laughs> so now we're ready to go. And he's in full gear, boots, knee pads, the whole deal. Because like Marshall, yeah. he trained to wrestle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He just was never going to do it. Right. And it turned out he's, of course, fantastic. Of course. A delight to have. He he knows every spot that's perfect for him. He can do everything safely. Just a delight. So we we did that a couple times, including one time uh, we did a a tag match. This will lead in nicely to the next guy from California we want to talk about. We did a tag match. Me and me and uh, Matthew. Leave it, to, leave it for now for this dickhead across the street to mow his lawn. Ah. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, oh, that no, that's good. I think I think uh, having having obnoxious noise in the background when I finally get to talking about Levi is fitting. Yes, you're, you're right. You're um, totally right. So it's me and Matthew Theol, uh, him again in the singlet with a Perry Von Vicious yep. T-shirt yep. Uh, against. Levi Shapiro and his manager, uh, Brian Zane, okay. who uh, is a, a manager from up in um, Nevada, okay. who now uh, has one of the most successful wrestling YouTube channels that there is. Oh, great. It's what he does for a living now, and he does so great at it. It's called Wrestling with Regret, uh, Regret spelled with a W. I want to say I've seen that. I mean, statistically, you have. He's that popular. I'm pretty sure I have, yeah. Uh, and he is fantastic. And he has a mind like Thiel's when it comes to the actual performance where they know their spots. They both trained fully as wrestlers. They can do everything. He doesn't do those top 10 lists or top five lists like uh, he top does, 10 bad WWF yeah, he, he gimmicks. Does, he does some of those. Does he, he have does, an accent? Uh, no. Different no, guy. Different guy. Oh, yeah. That's, guy. A, that's like Cultaholic or one, yes, of, the, yes. one of the Brits. Yes. Um, but no, he, uh, he, he, does some, he does some fantastic content. And actually on his YouTube channel, uh, one of the episodes he did is this match I'm talking about. Okay. And it's him and Levi doing new commentary, like director's commentary over it, talking about how they remember it. It's from a couple years ago, but it, it went great. Me and Levi get in and we start running crazy indie lucha spots yeah, yeah, for yeah. like two minutes. We're, we're ducking and diving and rolling and head scissoring and everything you can imagine. We, we end with that double drop kick ring of honor standoff. <sighs> the golf and clap. Then, oh, then we both yeah. turn around and tag our managers <laughs> who both look shocked and horrified because they don't want to get in there <laughs> and they they circle and everything's awful and they get in the slap fight yeah until it finally breaks into them being amazing wrestlers <laughs> like zane zane i think hits like a beautiful drop kick the all bounces off the ropes come back and picks him up in like a textbook body slam and carries him around the ring before slamming him uh just just wonderful and then levi and i have enough of watching them and we come in and start chopping the shit out of each other of course managers yeah, yeah because yeah. that's the rib yeah 
and it was it was so much fun. And and me and Levi, of course, at the time were like, oh, we are crushing this match. Oh yeah, because we're doing all this stuff. No, they got all the heat. Yeah, no, we were nothing in that no, match. No. We shouldn't have even been there. No, they got all the heat. Yeah, they got uh, all the heat. Well, that's the story though. The story is well, we did it with Marshall a thousand times, where he was my tag partner. He doesn't want to come in. He's because he's a manager. He's afraid. And then as soon as you know, we cut off the baby face and we're in the heat. Then now he wants in. Kick, kick, kick. It, yeah, they start yeah. to come back in. I come back in, and it's yep. it's gold. But it, you're basically yeah. just working around them. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. well, it's about them. They're they're the thing everyone wants to see. Yeah, of course. You know. But so this brings us to Levi. Yeah, Levi I Shapiro. Love Levi. Uh, I first met Levi about six or seven months into being in California. Yeah. I went to wrestle for this company, uh, Devil Mountain Wrestling. Yep. Uh, which later on became uh, Action Coast Empire Ace, or now I think it's Action Coast Wrestling. They've changed their name again. They kind of work in conjunction with East Bay Pro, where I was a trainer for a while. Yeah. A lot of my friends came out of that crew. There's a lot of crossover with Hood Slam in yeah, town. Yeah, 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 yeah. Levi was kind of their star student at the time. And he was, I mean, this was fourth or fifth match he'd ever had. He was green, green as can be. Yeah. And um, so he and I go in. Green as have... goose shit, as we say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Green as <laughs> goose shit. He and I go in and... We have this match, and immediately I was like, I really like this kid. I yeah. like the way he works. I like the way he thinks. At the time, his gear looked terrible. His look was awful. But looking back, so was mine. I just didn't realize it. Right, right, right. And we had a we had a great time. And I remember thinking, like, all right, he's going to be all right. You know, not everyone at that company was very good. But he was all right. And then there was a distinct moment, maybe two or three shows later, where uh, there was a battle royal that I didn't want to be in. Right. So as soon as it started, I had some young kid chuck me out. I yep. walked over to the hot dog stand, got a free hot dog, and walked right <laughs> back through the audience through the curtain. And me and Theol pro, used, used you're to, a real pro. <laughs> me and Theol used to when we weren't we, we watched the entirety of the shows we were on. Right. Um. So we'd be peeking through different sections of the you know the pipe and drape. We'd be looking through the curtain, but not not at the entryway, some other place. Yeah. And uh, we would actually pull Marshall face. For those who don't know, there's a distinct face Marshall makes when he reads a menu at a restaurant that it's hard to really describe via audio uh, for Bessie's sake. I'll do it now. <laughs> yeah. He, he puts his glasses down at the end of his nose and he looks and he, and he, yeah. And he, and he yeah, yeah, yeah. He's it's, basically it's, doing that. It's, the, the it's, fart smell it's somewhere between smelling something bad and really struggling to read little type. Um, <laughs> yes, you know, and, yes. and it's, it's, it's the face you'd expect someone who's like 70 to make at a restaurant, but but when Marshall was making that face and I was around him, he was, you know, less than half that age. <laughs> well, so, okay. So now that we're talking about Marshall really quick. Yeah. Um, I, he, he messages me just last week and mm -hmm. he says, Hey, I want to come back in the podcast. Oh, great. When do you want to come on? You know, and he's, Oh, well, do you have anybody coming on? I said, yeah, I have, I have two guests lined up, lined up. I'm not going to say who the other guest is because I'm still trying to work out the details. But it's and so the, I said, you can come on with Perry Von Bishes. Oh, that sounds fun. Or you can come on with an insert name of our friend who was just recently on national TV. I'll let you guess which one he chose to come on. Yeah. With. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That, that checks out. Yeah. Um, that's fine. I get it. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 42. It was, it was 492. Thank 492. You. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't. He doesn't know that uh, almost a decade ago I was at the end of that list. Pretty big deal. Um, Pretty big deal. Yeah. So we would make Marshall face at each other when something was real bad. 
So we'd both be looking through two separate cracks in the curtain, and all of a sudden, both our heads would peel back and look down the curtain at each other, making Marshall face. And we'd, of course, crack up. No one else knew what the hell we were doing. Yeah, no, but it doesn't matter. Um, Yeah, so we're watching this Battle Royal, and we're seeing guys running spots. We're, we're seeing guys taking huge bumps, guys accidentally hitting someone they weren't aiming for with a strike. It Fucking was just, marks. it was crowded, and it was Fucking a lot of marks. guys who, and, and, and the guys who were still around from that era are not the people I'm talking about. And okay. they know that. They okay. know good. they're good. Good. They know they're not the problem. We're watching this, and in the middle of it, Levi gets thrown out of the, the rumble. He gets thrown, uh, just the typical grab by the back of the head run, and you go kind of cartwheel over the top rope. The guy throwing him chucked him like that from the middle of the ring, dead center. And Levi launched wow. in the air, did not touch the mat again. Levi's not a small guy. Hooked, <laughs> hurled over in the biggest cartwheel, landed feet first, and then did a quick little tuck and roll on the ground, smooth as can be, and started slapping the ground and selling like it, you know, like it was the worst pain he'd ever You're felt. like, I like this And guy. he gets up and goes charging to get back in the ring, and the refs stop him and tell him he's out and make him go to the back, and he's shouting and protesting. And I turned and looked, and Theol was making the same face I was making. It was not Marshall face. It was It was like a half smile with wide eyes. Yeah. Because we were like, oh, shit. This is the one in that ring right now that yeah. has a future. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've only had the opportunity, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this in a bit, to work with him twice and that's mm -hmm. when when it was in my last little run and you you were you came home and they came over and yep. we'll get to that because yep. i also want, want to talk about his partner as well and then we're going to tell because mm -hmm. i i i the both times that i worked with levi can't keep can't keep a straight face you can't <laughs> have you <laughs> listened to him oh yeah if you just listen to him yeah it's hilarious oh you know we might as well talk about it now yep yep let's let's have one it. time you did a thing where like he hooked my foot and i went down or something like that and the rep is like, oh, it turns around like what? And Levi puts on this voice and he goes, he goes, what? He slipped. Like, you know, like, right? <laughs> he the Rodney Danger. What? Hey, I'll tell you. <laughs> he slipped. What? You know, and the other one was, you know, I, and I buried my face in my hands laughing like this freaking <laughs> guy, you know, and the, and the other one was he went to pick me up one time. And he's grabbing my head, and he's down close. He's picking me up. And who's who's the heel in Popeye? Uh, uh, Brutus. Bluto. 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 Yeah. And and he 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 like went yeah. <laughs> he sounded like Bluto. <laughs> Come here. Yeah. <laughs> and I just I was done. I'm like you fucker. so so until I came back and and got into various programs with um the then tomahawk now Rip Bison. Until that, Levi held the honor of being the person I had wrestled the most. Right. I think we, uh, at one point, there was one weekend where we did five shows in three days and wrestled each other on every single show. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and one of the shows, we wrestled each other twice. <laughs> we did a singles, and then we were in a six-man on opposite teams for the main event. That's great. So I, yeah, I wrestled him a lot. And yeah, that was always there. When he was new and should have been way too nervous to be weird and making noises in the ring, that was always there. That's just pure Levi. But that's that's the stuff you can't teach. You can't yeah. teach somebody charisma. You can't teach you can't teach that. Yeah. You, you, you know can't that, you can't make someone be special and interesting. That's right. not a thing you can explain. Right. Um so, and so Le Levi always had that. Yeah, that's cool. I love I love that guy. I I I would have I would have loved to have worked with him a thousand more times. I would I would have loved it. He's so great and just in the ring and he he he's such a good 
he's so good to be in control of where you are. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he's he's one of those like when I turned babyface, I was working with a lot of a lot of newer heels. Mm-hmm, so I was still mm-hmm. kind of in charge of what was going on sometimes, you know, where but where Levi, nope. Nope. He's a pro and he was just he he controlled it all and it was just all it was really great to work with people where i didn't have to worry about doing all that i just yeah. let them go yeah got that sounds good let's go and i love that and his partner buddy what a oh, worker yeah. man but buddy royal yeah. yeah uh he um he trained for a while with the new japan dojo that opened yep. in la yep. and um he you know he and he and levi both have been sort of uh not not quite uh not like main event stars in california but like the very top of what yeah. you would call the mid card i guess yeah you know they've, they've held uh they've both held singles championships they've held tag belts together all over the place they've also been flown all over the country to wrestle as a team uh they don't team together anymore oh no why? um they had a they had a huge breakup uh levi cracked him with a chair <laughs> uh in a few different companies <laughs> okay but there's no like real heat between no no the two no, of them. no 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 of okay, course not good. no and and we're we uh we still have our our little group chat of the the tiny crew of california guys yeah uh that you know we we catch up every so often it's not as frequent as when we were all together all the time but, right 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 uh, you know we'll, they were... we'll, we'll see news about someone we all know and pop in and you know chat up on that. there has to when you're a tag team and you're in a tag team for a long time there has to be a thing where you almost have to read each other's minds. Yeah. You know, you have to know, like, you can just kind of look and, and, okay, that's what we're doing. All right, that's what we'll do. Or you kind of motion that way or whatever. And they had that. They had that yeah. thing where they just, they were, they were, they were and, and two it, years Honestly, together. it extends past the two of them because there were two other parts of the puzzle that was called the Classic Connection. That was yeah. their team name. Yeah. But it was also the kind of overarching name of a stable out there that was the two of them, me, Theol, and uh agb alexander g bernard who was a young guy who was basically doing the same gimmick as me yeah i'm friends with him on facebook he sent me a friend's request one day yeah yeah yeah. he's 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 the other part of that puzzle he wears like Uh, the captain's hat or something yeah 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 yeah, yeah. he he and i teamed together for a while as the xs express oh that's fun and uh and i told i was the one who told him like you've got to get velcro put in your pants man oh yeah i know you're taking the dress pants off before the matches the pop is never as good as if they are tear away. Yeah, and and the thing is too, you have to wait until you have yep. to get the right boom and, and and take your time with it and wait until because because some people will, will tear them off when a heel yeah. will tear them off when you know when nobody's really paying attention they're looking at, you know yeah. so wait and get you gotta that have the, you gotta have everyone's attention when it happens same thing with marshall when he had he would he had the butcher gear so he had his one <laughs> yes. man boob was sticking out and and he was just taking his jacket off and going i'm like no you make a presentation out of oh, that yeah. man get you know and 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 it just it just it gets so much yeah. more heat yeah well and he he had an interesting mind for this stuff. Real quick, he met a uh, an older guy who was a cameraman for one of the companies out there. Mm, an older guy who was a cameraman for one of the wrestling companies. Weird. Who saw that coming? Well, Not he, a creep he at was all. Also, he was also... Uh, Tell me he was creepy. He was creepy, right? No. Oh, okay. He was great. Right. He, was, right. he was fantastic. <laughs> um, but no, I, I know the, cr- the, the particular group of gentlemen you're referring to that we see at these shows everywhere in the country. Actually, I'm not really talking about a specific group. It is that... Well, yeah. What I'm saying is, it's 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 oh, there's, there's always one. There's I, there's there's a clone in every town. Yeah, there's yeah. Where that dude. that yeah yeah. And uh, no, he was great. And um, AGB saw him and saw him around and saw you. He was he, I guess he was training to be like a referee or something at the same school as uh, him and Buddy. And uh, he said, "What would you think about being my manager?" And the guy said, "Oh, well, you know, I, I 
I'm kind of an amateur magician, so I have I have a tuxedo with tails. And he was like, "Do you have white gloves?" And he goes, "Yeah." Yeah, and yeah. He goes, he goes, "You have to be my butler. Yeah. You've got to come to the ring with me." So, he had a butler. He had the Jeffries I always wanted. Only yeah. And this guy would come in the ring with him and um oh, for the life of me, I'm not going to remember. Oh, it was uh, it was Mr. uh Mr. Gold Goldsmith or something like that. And uh, AGB would get in the ring and he, he would have everyone's attention and he could project. He's like proper like stage theater guy. Like yeah, yeah, I yeah. saw him in a play while I was out there. He would get in the ring and with no mic, he would just project, Mr. Goldsmith, remove my clothes. <laughs> and he would come up and he would be like pulling his polo shirt off of him that is and then he would kneel in front of him and get in real close and be undoing the buckle on his pants oh my and agb just stood there with his arms out and it was incredible wow. and i would let them get through the whole shtick and then i would do my tearaways yeah and it would get a second round of booze of course and uh i didn't realize just how how great a reaction we were getting until we went to try to sell merch yeah. at intermission. And all the all the bad guys on the show, all the heels are selling merch. Oh, yeah. It's no big deal. They had all set up beforehand and just walked out and got to their table. We were going to snag a spot during intermission. So we go walking out with our boxes. And as soon as we walk into the corridor, boo, everyone just starts booing and wow. chanting, you suck at us. And we, we kind of looked around and like decided to hightail it out of there. <laughs> we just turned around and left. We didn't sell any merch because no, they weren't going to buy it. They, they hated they us. They I'm telling I mean, it's, you. it's possible. That's so good. I love how, like, in the professional wrestling business, this guy, of course, of yeah. course he has a tuxedo with tails and white yeah, gloves at home. Of course he does. You know what? Speaking of that, let's talk about your TSA moment, right? Right? <laughs> because the majority of people who get into the professional wrestling business, they aren't normal to begin with. That's okay? right. That's so, right. That's my so experience. It, it yeah. just makes perfect sense for what happened to you at TSA, because of course this happened. Please, hey, go at it, sir. So, uh, so when when we're getting ready to move back from California, I I made two trips out before we actually did the move. Uh, the first trip was uh, I had a job out here that we were coming out for, and I was uh, I was doing the final interview. So I flew out for that, and they didn't tell me I had the job, but I knew. Right. Uh, I've. I have this great track record. I've never interviewed for a job in person and not been hired. So as soon as I finished the interview, I went, yeah, so I guess I better find a place. <laughs> so I spent the next two days before I flew back looking for an apartment. Right. And uh, I managed to secure an apartment. And uh, in the month and a half before I had to come back out again for orientation, my my dad was kind enough to go pick up the key to the place for me. Yeah. So when I came back... I knew that I was coming back to an apartment to stay in. Didn't need a hotel room or anything. And I thought, well, you know, uh, Southwest has some free luggage stuff that they do. I'm going to stuff my luggage full of stuff that's kind of awkward to get in the car or to move so that I can just leave it in the apartment. <laughs> so I'm looking around at like, well, what's breakable? What do I not want to ruin? And what do I need? I need stuff to like sleep on yeah, while I'm there. Right. So I had this great big duffel bag. And inside it, I had... Uh, a set of juggling clubs. <laughs> I had my unicycle. <laughs> I had my 2011 All Pro Wrestling Young Lions Cup Championship. <laughs> I had a pair of wrestling boots <laughs> that that were no longer in my gear bag. Right. And uh, then I had uh, a set of bed sheets that were all Spider Man print. 
that was what was in this bag. And I, you know, that's all fine stuff to send. And the bag's of a size where it can be, uh, you know, it can be checked. Sure. And, uh, it's way underweight. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. So I, I checked the bag. And, uh, you know, I get where I'm going. You know, I get, I get in at some god awful hour than it's like it's like uh you know almost midnight i've been flying all day there's the time change coming across the right 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 and i've got to get up the next morning to go into a job i've never been to before so i i land and uh immediately go to my parents house so i can steal an iron (laughs) and an ironing board so my work clothes cannot look like they've been checked in luggage all day i finally get to this apartment that i've you know seen one time at 1 a.m i am beat i i get in I I drop everything and then I I inflate the air mattress I brought with me. Yeah. And I go, oh, I, I I gotta dig those sheets out. And I open that duffel bag, and uh, there's one of those um the the little thing that the TSA does now where they they open certain bags, not all the bags, but right. certain bags. Like if they're oddly shaped or if they read weird on the metal detector. Like I don't know if it had a unicycle, a unicycle in it, it, it looks or some, weird. Yeah, something. Yeah. Um, and uh, they'll open it and they'll look through it and they'll leave you this little, uh, it looks like one of those things that uh, the hotel puts on the door for do not disturb. Right. And it just says, hi, we're government agents who look through everyone's shit and we look through yours. And, and that's verbatim, right? That's exactly uh, that's what it exactly says. That's exactly what it says. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, 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 you know, very polite and full of a lot of legalese about how we're allowed to do this. And so uh, I open it and I see that note, but there's like writing on it with a Sharpie. And I'm like, what the? I don't know. I just throw it out of the way and set my shit up and go go to sleep. Right. Next day, I get back from orientation at work. You know, I stopped at the dollar store to get food, so I had something to eat when I got home. I had a you know a bowl of like you know raisin bran or something because that was all I had was like one plastic bowl from the dollar store. <laughs> uh, I was I was in an empty apartment with nothing there right, except right, for right. a unicycle and juggling clubs. That's that's um, Bessie's dream, by the way. Like nothing in a place with like three plates and, and it was kind of nice, <laughs> if I'm honest. Uh, and here I am just it, packing shit in her it, house at a, it, at an alarming it felt rate. So orderly. So I finally I'm I'm walking around. And I'm like, what is this trash on the ground? Because I've forgotten that I pulled this piece of paper out of the bag the night before. How's there trash in my orderly empty Bessie apartment? And um, <laughs> so I go over and I pick the thing up and I go, oh right, the TSA. And then I see that they've written a note with Sharpie on it. They've written something to me. Which is great. It says, and, and, and again, very professional. Yeah. This, is, this is actually what it said verbatim. And I still have it on the fridge at my house now. It's up there with a magnet. Can you take a picture of it and send it yeah, to me yeah, so I'll I can put you. this on, it's, on it the page? It says, WTF, lol, what is your life? <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking at it and thinking, like, what the hell are they? And then I realized... I have a professional wrestling championship cup. I have a unicycle, a pile of Spider-Man bed sheets, and a set of juggling clubs in this duffel bag flying cross country. What did they think I was doing? <laughs> right. What gig did I land where they were like, well, he better have all that with him if he's going across the country. <laughs> and the thing is, in the world of professional wrestling, not that weird. No, really. not, not that weird. Uh, yeah. the, the number of people I know in wrestling who ride a unicycle or can juggle clubs is way higher than people might guess. You're literally the only person I know that rides a unicycle. Oh. Well, Will you teach me how to ride a unicycle? Uh, I mean, I, I can. Uh, it's. Uh, I mean, honestly, like having someone to teach you doesn't make it any faster than learning on your own. Okay. Uh, the the trick is you do it near enough to a wall or like the edge of a deck 
so that you can have a hand to guide on one side okay. while you learn. Right. The other thing that people don't realize, you put like no weight on that seat. Really? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You put all your weight on that seat. Okay. Wait. Wow. Sorry. Those sorry. are those are two totally and conflicting. It's, it's important because when you look at someone on a unicycle, you're thinking like, oh, the pedals are the steady thing. Yeah. No. 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 It's a, all your, your weight's core, on the right? seat, and you're basically leaning forward or leaning backward, and all the pedaling is just to keep it underneath you. So all your movement is with leaning. None of it is with the pedaling. If you tried to power yourself by pedaling, your ass goes out from underneath you. You're taking a bump on the concrete. Oh, that sounds great. Oh. I mean, you know, you quit you quit wrestling to save your body, and now you want to learn to ride a unicycle. Yeah, yeah. I've always be, wanted to ride a unicycle. Uh, it, it honestly, it's it can be learned in a day. Oh, if uh, if it's not too hot out, because it is exhausting to pick yourself up off the ground over and over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if if you're on the grass, look it's at Bessie. Little, she's like, oh shit, here we go. It's a little quicker to learn. If you're on the grass, and uh, because you're a wrestler, assuming you didn't throw everything you ever had from wrestling away, I'm guessing you still have a set of elbow pads. I only wore one elbow pad. Well, then, I only uh, wore one, and it was a, a, and it was a neoprene sleeve that I wore on my right because I have a bone chip in my trust uh, that me, I got early than on. Yeah, <laughs> I have a bone chip in my right elbow. Uh, you can actually yeah. feel it. I got it. Yeah, a guy did a dive on me in a in a, in a gym, and I went down and I hit my elbow on the floor, and I had a little bone chip in there. Jeez. Yeah, well, whatever. Could, yeah, could, could be worse. It's it's true. You could have that thing I have with my foot from the cage match with Levi. Yeah. Oh, wow. It could be worse. It I can c- I can still wrestle, so that's not. So it can't be that bad. <laughs> I can still go abuse my body and feel okay about Were it. Were you ever on a show with the Bushwhackers? Uh, I was on the show with one of the Bushwhackers. Which one? Luke. Luke. Yeah. Uh, first of all, great guys, and they. Oh yeah. Would really take the time. They would watch other people. I at the time Super I was nice. a, I was a manager, but I was also doing like comedy gimmick matches against yep. Uh, yep. against. Against okay, guys, listen. I know it's not the proper word, but in the wrestling business, they're called midget wrestlers. Okay, I'm not trying. I'm, so I would wrestle against a little right, person, right? right? A, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And uh, anyway, regardless, and and Luke pulled me aside and and taught, t- told me to like the match or whatever. But Butch's feet were like sideways. Oh yeah, yeah. Like like bent like the the sides of his feet were what he walked on, like the outside of his heel. Yep. So yeah. Well, that's a lot of the guys who did it for a really long time like them. They get these weird things that sort of happen to their bodies over time that you even looking at what they do in the ring, you can't quite explain it. Yeah. I mean, Shawn Michaels yeah. is bow legged as the day is long. And you're like, why? Why? He looked so like limber and everything moves so carefully. And then you see him in a pair of jeans checking into a hotel for a convention and you're going, oh, God. Yeah. I <laughs> Who brought the 90 year old cowboy? Yeah. <laughs> I. I went back recently and I watched some of his matches from the 90s. And if you do that, it makes perfect sense why he walks the way he walks now. <laughs> was, it, was it all those drops off the ladder onto the top rope where he crotched it? Is that what did it? Maybe. Maybe. Couldn't or, help. Or the huge bumps to the outside or the, yeah. you know, or just the, you know. He never just took a bump. It was always something. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and uh, it's one of those things where it's like I'd love to sit here and criticize and go, well, that wasn't very smart. But he's also a multi-millionaire who owns several homes and i'm not so what do i know what, what do you know yeah yeah I mean, honestly like there, uh whenever whenever someone at any of the wrestling schools we were at would criticize like a well-known name who'd wrestled forever all i could think was like what are you what are you talking about what yeah. what experience do you have to speak from that they're wrong and you're right yeah they did something with this and and you're stuck here teaching me <laughs> well you know i the one that always gets me is like 
is like, oh, well, they don't have any moves. That person stinks because mm. they don't have any moves. But if you look at the majority of the people who are the majority of the people who are known as the greats. Yeah. They don't have any moves. There's no yeah. moves. Yeah. What, what move? How many moves does Bret Hart have? How many yeah, moves he, did he, Ric Flair have? I was going to say, uh, uh, Flair, Flair and Bret and Austin and The Rock all had, you know, and even, the Undertaker. Hogan, even Hogan and Taker, like they all had essentially like five moves. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was all about where they put them. Right. But of course, they're in a different entertainment field than we are in the indies. True. They have announcers to tell the story. They have. Right hype videos and playbacks and months of people following it where it's weekly. So the story is right. always fresh. We often don't have that. We have to find ways to entertain people who've never heard our names before in their life right. and never will again. Right. So, you know, we, what we do can be seen as either much more highbrow because it's a lot harder work or it can be seen as much more lowbrow because we kind of have to like play to the lowest common denominator sometimes. Right. And we're not doing it every day. Like right. they are, yeah. you know, so I mean, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's uh, I heard someone describe it as the difference between being on Broadway where you perform three shows a day, six days a week versus being in a regional theater troupe where yeah. you have a production every few months. Right, right. And uh, even that's not totally fair because at least there the parts are written for you. We're writing our own parts as we go. Yeah. Did you yeah. ever I, I've had people like like try to write things for me like in promos and stuff i just can't do it yeah i've I've definitely had that you can't give me a script you give me a script it's not going to sound natural i've i emceed for uh levio mm-hmm. who's been a guest on here a couple times oh by the way you are you He's... are our third uh our third repeat offender on the podcast oh. by the way congratulations yeah oh, glad, glad to do it yeah. levio that's your levi yes yeah <laughs> levio is my levi yes yes anyway I am seed form, and they gave me like a script what they wanted this, wanted me to say, mm. and I just said, "Listen, I, with all due respect, and I, 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 I appreciate the work that you put into this. You do not want me to read this." Yeah. They're like, oh well, what do you want to do? And I said, "Just let me take this. I'm going to give myself some bullet points. Give me your pen." And I just yeah. underlined a few things that she wrote, and I connected the and and it's going to same thing with wrestling promos i feel if you script it out it's not going to sound natural the best way to do it is give yourself some bullet points and you'll get there and and you know what you know what the difference is is in wrestling promos with a script now this is this goes to the theater versus wrestling aspect yeah in wrestling that script is being read one time ever Right. You're not getting to do it over again. Right. You're not doing it. Oh, it's, uh, I've heard Penn Jillette refer to it as Groundhog Day. Right. Where you do the same performance over and over and over and it gets better every single time. Right. Right. Because you learn the nuances and you learn, well, a pause here lets people laugh or it lets people digest what I just right. said. If I get louder here, if I get quieter here, the, the effect it has. You don't get that with a wrestling promo because you do it one time ever. Right. You got one chance to get it right. And even if you rehearse it beforehand, how long are you rehearsing it? Yeah. Because maybe the week before you had to do a different promo. Like, what, are you writing promos months in advance? No. No. You get it a day in advance, a week in advance tops in most situations. So, like, doing something where they've written it and they want you to do it verbatim yeah. is very difficult to do uh, and sound natural. Now, when I did voiceover work, that's super easy. Having a written script in front of you that you're doing the first time ever, super easy to sound natural because you're reading it. It's in front of you. 
and you're not having to act for an audience that's looking at you. You can focus on how it sounds and how these different thoughts and ideas on the page should feel. That's easy. And then when you're in a play, you've said these exact lines over and over for months, rehearsing or even just doing shows. And so you're able to make it better every time. In wrestling, you don't have that. And uh, people don't get that. I mean, really, the people who don't get it are the people in charge at the biggest wrestling company in the world because they hire TV writers who don't understand that that's not how it works. And then they want to write everything verbatim. Right. And then you get a bunch of knuckle-dragging bodybuilders who can't deliver lines that way. Right. You know, a few of them can. A few of them can. And you know what they do? They fuck off to Hollywood. Yeah, right, John right. John Cena, right. Batista, Hulk yeah. Hogan, right, The Rock. Right, right, They all go off and do things where they can make way more money without becoming crippled. Yeah. Can't blame them. No, no. In, in fact, that's what everyone in wrestling should aspire to. Have, have, you ever, have you ever talked to somebody? Now, listen, I'm going to put this term out there, and I'm going to ask you your opinion on this. Uh-oh. Well, everybody uses the term the smart mark, mm-hmm. right? Smart mark. That uh, uh-huh. For those of you listening, if you don't know anything about wrestling, that basically means... Uh, a wrestling fan who who thinks they 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 know about the business. Yeah. In my opinion, there's no such thing. No. There's no such thing nope. as a smart mark. I I don't I think that's a term. Oh yeah, well I'm smart to the business, so I'm a smart mark. And there's no such thing in my no. opinion, unless you know what it's like to go out there and really learn how to pull raw emotion out of people that are sitting there. That's the other reason why I think calling it fake is lazy. That's the other thing, yeah. too. You're going out there and you're doing what you do to actually draw real emotion out of people who know that it's not real competition. And you're still getting an emotion out of them. Yeah. Unless you know what it's like to do that and you try to do that, you're not smart to anything. Yep. You know, like, look it. There are people out there that know a lot about about uh, uh, about the heart. That doesn't mean they can go be a doctor. They're not actually smart <laughs> to, to, to the fucking heart. You know, they, yeah. sure, sure. You know, so that's a, what do you think? No, I think that's exactly right. There's and and it's that way for it seems to be mostly in entertainment where this happens, where people think they know how an industry works. Right. And they don't. They have they no don't. idea. They don't. Cuz I mean, how many times did you have people just ask you, especially when social media became a thing uh during your wrestling career? How many people would post on your wall when you would share a poster or a video or something? How many people would post, "When are you going to WWE?" Yeah. Why don't you go to WWE? Yeah, you should go to WWE. Oh, sure. oh, really? I never thought of that. Wow, yeah. Really? Wow. I should go to the one place that could make me a multi-millionaire for this? Wow, great. It's like, I want to And I'm out. sure I'm the only person that's going to try that today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, it's like a, you know, if, if someone said that to me, I want to go look at their Facebook. And when I see they flip burgers at McDonald's, I should say, oh, you should go be a Food Network chef. You ever think of doing that? When are you going to be on Food Network? <laughs> What are you talking about? That's not how any industry works. You don't just get to choose to be at the pinnacle of your industry. Well, somebody, well, you know, like I'd have a friend introduce me to one of their friends. Oh, yeah, he's a professional wrestler. And like, oh, like, like WWE, my answer would always be, yeah, that's why I'm here talking to you right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible how people don't realize that there has to be levels to that. It's like, you know, you wouldn't, if you told someone you were in a band. They wouldn't say like, oh, cool. Did you play, you know, d- uh, d- did you open for Metallica? You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, cool. Uh, you, it's know. Just, you know what it is? It's just that people really don't understand why 
somebody puts so much they just don't get if they don't have that in them they don't understand why yeah. people put so much passion into something that's entertainment they don't understand they don't have that thing in them where they need to go out and do this thing like you know i had to go do that i have to be a musician because yeah. i love it they, they don't see, they don't, see yeah. i actually disagree okay i don't think that you have to be a musician because you love it i don't think you had to be a pro wrestler because you love it I don't oh. think you have to be a podcaster because you love oh, it. Oh, no, I'm a self-loathing narcissist. I was gonna, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Every single person who does what we do, who performs, it didn't matter if it was when I was in a band, when you're in a band, doesn't matter when I was doing stand-up, when we're wrestling, when we're on podcasts, we all do it for one reason, and it's only three letters, E-G-O. Yeah. We all do it for our ego. We yeah. have huge egos that yeah. need to be stroked. Well, so what'd you say? Need. So you need, need to do it. You need, need to do it. So you do need to do it. There are reasons do, why you need to do it. not because you love it. I do. Lo luckily, I love it. Okay. See, luckily, it, I do love it. Something you love but... is something you want. Yeah. Not something you need. Well, I, you know, I look at, I'm not gigging right now because of COVID. I'm still going to be out here on the oh, porch. I thought it was because the PO wasn't big enough on this. You know, red equals green, brother. Oh, true. This is true. But I'm, is that I, not the gig you were referring to? No. But I miss, I, I do miss going out and performing. So, sure, but of course, sure. maybe it's destroyed. Because you ego, need yeah. it for your ego. You yeah, need a live right. audience telling you how great you are. Shit, look it. I mean, this is this is why I started. I'll make sure I talk to my shrink about that is, next week. This is, okay? this is how it worked. You you want perfect evidence of this? This is how it worked for me. I was the funnel of ego. In high school, I started in the chorus. 200 of us in the chorus wow. at my high school. That's a lot of nerds. I was, I was there too. Too many people to share a stage with. No one was focusing on mm -hmm. me. I moved True to story. So, I moved to select choir. 40 of us. Still not enough. I joined the jazz band playing guitar. 20 of us. Nope. Still too many. I joined a punk band. Five of us. Now you're getting there. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started professional wrestling. Two of us and a referee. Not good enough. <laughs> Stand-up comedy. <laughs> it was me and a microphone, and that was as close as I was going to get to having it just be me. Right, right. I, I think that that's... And that, and again, that's why I, I think it's so lazy to just say that professional wrestling is is fake. There's nothing fake about going out there. Just you and another dude, yeah, trying to to to, to work together and draw the attention of all these people in there. It's really hard work. And, it's, and as is stand up comedy, as is yeah. acting, it's all very hard. Well, and, and to 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 write something off as fake as a reason to not enjoy it as entertainment is, I mean, antithetical to entertainment. Yeah, because stand up comedy's fake. Yeah. When I got on stage and said, you know, last week I finished my first marathon and told that joke I told last time, I had never done a marathon. That was a lie. And even if I had, it wouldn't have been last week. Right, right, right. Because I told that joke every night, every night of the week for three years. <laughs> How many marathons was I running? <laughs> and, and these comics who go on and go, you know, the other day I was doing my laundry. Fuck you. You were doing your no, laundry. No. Jim Gaffigan's doing his own laundry. Yeah, yeah, sure. I've got Jim Gaffigan money. I'm burning my clothes and buying new clothes every time I make money. <laughs> that was probably the most American thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, okay, look, we've gone an hour and seven minutes, believe it or not. Can this, you believe that? This is, this is, uh, that's, that's my, that's my MO. I go too long. No, no, no. I'm just, I, I, we could keep going about this and I, I love talking to you about it. it um, so, but we, we're going to have to move on to the next part of the show is there anything else you want to touch on before we get there 
no, no. I think I think uh, I think for this for this round, that's good. You know what's going to happen? Same thing that happened last time. We're going to text each other later and say, "Shit, I meant to talk with you about this and that." You know. So, but yeah, we'll yeah. just have you back on again. I, I, yep. I, you're you're one of those people. You have an open invitation to come on anytime you want. So that's great. And, and uh, I can and I can talk as long as anyone needs to. It, it won't be interesting, but I'll keep going. <laughs> why why start now? Being interesting. Exactly. Why? Yeah. Exactly. All right, guys. We have one constant on this podcast, and we call it. The final three. Pew, 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 pew. All right. These are the same three questions that we ask every podcast. But we already asked you the first question, which yep. is how do you take your coffee? You take your coffee black. So what we've been doing, if they've already answered the coffee question, is asking them if they have like a favorite summer cocktail or a summer beer because we're in the, you know, we're getting to the yep. end of summer now. But you're, you don't drink. That's right. So what... He could he could still have a drink that he is there yeah is there another beverage that you like to drink on a regular basis but we but I'd rather be more topical what we have been doing uh, uh, Bessie and I have been doing the the snack ventures where we're just ordering okay. these snacks and we're trying them all and we're comparing them Love do you it. have do you have like a snack that you've been doing that just you're just really into right now it is it is super boring but it is no it's not addictive like there's no tomorrow I I eat way more of these than I should. And I always feel horrible about it. Oh, please. They're just straight out of the box, untoasted, brown sugar and cinnamon Pop-Tarts. Listen, we just watched, do you watch Rhett and Link, Good Mythical Morning? Do you watch them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We just watched one the other day where they rated every single Pop-Tart flavor, and we decided that the the brown sugar cinnamon is the Pop-Tart. That is the Pop-Tart. I had never had one. It wasn't their choice, but yeah. I had never had one until after uh, my wife and I got together because they were the ones that she always had and had grown up on. So we'd keep a couple around. And, uh, you know, I don't really, even then I wasn't really eating a lot of uh, like junk food. Right. I'd already started to lose some weight. Yeah. And um, so I, I saw the Pop-Tarts box and I opened it up and I opened up the foil and I looked at it and I said, this isn't, this isn't the primary color. Why isn't this blue or red? But, it's brown. Yeah, yeah. And she goes, oh, it's brown sugar cinnamon. And I was like, what? I thought Pop Tarts were all fruit flavored, oh. and she goes, "No, there's so many flavors, oh, especially yeah. now." And of course, a lot of them are. Have you? Did you have any of the soda flavored ones? I've not for a brief run. I don't think they have them anymore. They had like an orange crush. Oh, and uh, an A and W root beer flavor. Oh, cool. Pop Tarts, nice. And I will tell you, they were as wonderfully disgusting as you think they were. Oh yeah. But yeah, uh, those Pop Tarts are a real problem for me. Yeah, they're great to the point where like I'm having to like ask. Ask my wife to, you know, could you maybe put them in a different cabinet? Yeah. So maybe I don't find them right away, because then I'll then I'll go have like something that won't make me feel terrible. They're so good. That, that's the best oh. pop tart, right? Oh, it's amazing. That is the best pop tart. I don't, I don't, I don't bother toasting them, which my no, wife thinks no. is insane. No, I just take them right out and eat them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I just I'll just take them right out of the package, eat them. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. When, when you do, do you do the part where you bite the unfrosted parts first? Yeah, it tastes like a really buttery cookie. Yeah, and, and then, then you bite yeah. the other parts. Yeah, I do the same thing with uh, fig newtons. I bite the edge off the yeah. fig. Newt- and I do the same thing with uh, peanut butter sandwiches. I eat the crust off that I have. That beautiful. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, just oh yeah. Oh yeah. You bet. Yeah. All right, great. Question number two is. Uh, what is the last movie you saw either at home or in the theater? And with no spoilers, do you have any thoughts? Oh, my word. Okay, this great. Is where, this is where we dip into 
an area of my life that is more important to me than almost any other. Okay. Novelty bands. Yep. Okay, to me, if a band doesn't require costumes or weird sets <laughs> or songs that have no emotional meaning to anyone on planet Earth, yeah, I find very little value in that. Yeah. I want my bands to be weird. I want them to work their asses off to put a show together. Yeah. And to me, showing up in whatever trendy jeans and whatever black T-shirt yeah. and playing a song about a breakup you were in, that sucks. <laughs> Everybody does it. <laughs> Dylan did it, like, let's call it 900 years ago. Okay. 900? Listen, he's old. Um, uh, don't, I, I really, you know. Uh, so you're a big Dr. Demento fan, I assume? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, so it all stems from Weird Al Yankovic, right? Right. That obsession of mine. Is he forever. like your favorite artist? All-time favorite. Okay. Full stop. Any okay. genre. All right. And, and probably any genre beyond music. Because he's he's had a full length motion picture UHF yep. that's yep. fantastic. It's, uh, he yeah. had a Saturday morning kids show, the Weird Al show, that was amazing. Uh, he he has uh, TV specials where he used to take over MTV and VH1 yeah. for twenty four hours yeah. and call yeah. it Al TV. Yeah, he's done like every genre of entertainment <laughs> imaginable, great. and now he's. And this actually circles back to the last documentary I watched. Okay, his newest project. That like technically hasn't been announced, but everyone knows it. It's it's kind of out there. He and Lin Manuel Miranda, who wrote and starred in Hamilton, okay, yeah, and also did all the music for uh, uh, Moana, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, the two of them have been hired to revamp the Hall of Presidents in Disney World. Oh, cool. Because the Hall of Presidents is no longer a fun thing to go to. No, yeah, no. So they were like, we need a different take on this. Let's get Weird Al and Lin-Manuel Miranda to do it. <laughs> I've never wanted anything more. So you've watched a documentary about that? No. Okay. What? Weirder. Wow, this is, we are Weirder. Okay. So this gets us to Disney park music and weird musical acts within the Disney world. Okay. And uh, I actually, I was wearing, uh, this isn't the documentary either, but I was wearing a Sunny Eclipse mask when I showed up. Okay. Sunny Eclipse is an animatronic alien in a restaurant in Tomorrowland that no one really knows about or notices or cares. Okay. He is on a 40-minute loop all the time doing a lounge singer act about space. <laughs> okay, great. And I love it. I have a uh, Sunny Eclipse World Tour tank top. I'm going to have to look it up later, yeah. Um, so the documentary I watched is from a YouTube channel called Defunct Land. They do mini, uh, like, you know, five, ten-minute documentaries or, or even 20-minute documentaries, little explainy videos about different Disney stuff and different theme park things. And they've done, like, deep dives where they talk about the effects of uh, different world's fairs and how that, like, prompted Walt to build certain things for the park or Walt worked to build things at these fairs that then became part of the parks, like the Carousel of Progress, that yep. kind of stuff. They just did their first full-length documentary. Uh, and it is titled... I've, pull, I've pulled it up in front of me so I get the title right. It is titled, Live from the Space Stage, A Halix Story. Okay. Halix was a band that only ever performed in one place. The Space Mountain Stage. Okay. That's under Space Mountain in Disneyland, California. I believe that that particular venue does not exist anymore. Okay. It was in the summer in the, in I want to say 83, like the year before I was born. Okay. They they decided that uh, they weren't drawing in enough like teens and young people, and so they wanted like a rock band, but it had to be Disney. Okay. So it's 
they slowly put it together and it's space themed rock band <laughs> where there's a guy in like kind of a Wookiee suit who's the bass player <laughs> and like they they're all dressed sort of spacey but like 80s future spacey okay and then like one of them's like some other kind of alien he's like a gymnast dancer who was like a backup percussionist it's the craziest thing that one I'd never heard of this and two none of their music exists to this day it's all gone no they recorded an album and it never went anywhere and everyone they reached out to no one can find it oh no it's gone uh so you watch a documentary about that i watched that now now when i say their music's gone real recordings are gone there's a couple like videos that people took that have since turned up on youtube and stuff and um was it rotating uh, was it rotating members i assume it was the same one set band with a female lead singer who was an incredible vocalist who wound up doing a couple other like goofy weird projects for disney after that hoping that they would finally bring her back in and she'd have her record deal uh she's the only member who has since passed away and uh, it was just illness nothing else but uh it's an amazing documentary and it's everything that i've ever wanted it's disney parks it's a novelty band with costumes and weird music <laughs> it's uh lost media with their album that's just gone forever so you yeah. can hear uh like one they have a songwriter that worked for them who had recorded demos of some of the songs before giving it to them yeah. they have those tracks okay so it's sort of the songs but not sung by someone else and not played exactly the same way but it's pretty close and and it's it's weird socal trivia because no one else knew about this it was one summer in disneyland not disney world yeah. in the 80s yeah the only people who knew about it were locals and they got a huge following this cult of people and in, then they in it socal up. uh disney was just like yeah this doesn't really work for us of course and it's true like it doesn't fit what they were doing at all because they were like a full-on like metal rock band and that doesn't really fit in disney and you could hear because you know that music has to be loud you oh, yeah. can't play it quietly yeah you could hear them playing kind of in other areas and it the style of music didn't fit mm, tomorrow. Yeah. All right. You all could right. hear it in the space mountain ride. <laughs> it would okay. bleach up into there. So it really didn't work. And so I get why they never brought it back for sure. But like, what a weird thing to That's just amazing. And, and so these guys put this documentary together and they found every member of the band. They found the guy who mastered their tracks and helped produce everything. They found the woman who did most of the writing. Uh, you know, they found other people who worked at the parks during that era and uh, it's incredible to watch, and it's so much fun. Uh, it's it's an hour and a half, and just like I, when I watched it, as soon as it was done, I hit play again. Wow! Just sat straight through it a second time. Well, okay, what's it called again? It is called "Live from the Space Stage: A Halix Story." Halix is spelled H-A-L-Y-X. Okay. Yeah. And Where'd I'll, you see it? Where is it? Uh, it is on uh, YouTube on the channel Defunct Land. Okay. And um, yeah, it's. I mean, if you if you search Halux H A L U X, it is the first thing that comes up on every search engine. U X? Didn't you say Y X? Maybe it is Y X. Hang on, I just closed my. Didn't phone. you just say Y X? Yes, it is Y X. H A L Y X. Okay, great. Thank you. But yeah, it's fantastic, and it's everything I want. You know, it's it feels like, it feels like a little bit Weird Al. It feels a little bit like the Aquabats. Like it's just that weird kind of costume band and especially like the fact that it was in Southern California. There's, there's a lot of that that kind of comes out of there. And it was, it was everything I've ever wanted in the documentary. And I had no idea it was coming. Oh, cool. I saw their tweet about it like three days before it came out. Oh yeah. I'm watching that. It's amazing. 
So I, I wanted to touch back on Weird Al really quick. First yeah. of all, I saw Weird Al once when mm-hmm. I was in Michigan, and and I guys, I'm not kidding you. If you get a chance to go see Weird Al, go see Weird Al. It and I'm not kidding you. It was in the top ten best concerts I've ever been to in my life. Yeah, it is such a good time. Yep. His band is amazing. Now I recently got into a YouTube channel called Good Bad Flicks. Okay, where he takes movies that are, you know. Not like UHF right. is great, but it's not a great movie. But it's a great movie. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right, yeah. And he he does he did do one episode on on UHF. I recommend great. you watching that. It's yeah. great. They're all you know twelve minutes long type of thing where he goes yep. and sometimes he'll go into the product the um the production of it, the writers, the what happened with the studio, all that stuff. It's a really really interesting YouTube channel. I love it. It's really really funny. The other thing I wanted to say is this: there have been three artists. Yep. That have yep. had top forty hits starting in the eighties through well, like the, the mid twenty tens. Through the twenty tens. Yep. Okay. So they're the only ones, these are the only artists to have uh it's it's top ten hits. Top ten hits. In, in top ten full stop, not in a specific genre. Right. Top ten hits in four decades consecutively. Right. Madonna, Madonna, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, and Weird, Weird Al, Al Yankovic. Yankovic. How amazing is that? And I'll say it, and I've had a lot of people like real serious musicians look at me like I'm an idiot when I say this. If those other two are in the Hall of Fame, Weird Al should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry, but if you can have that many hits, you think about the string of hits he had, you have to put him in. You know, honestly, people people really sleep on him for musicality and yeah. everything, but what they're not realizing is it's not like... A conglomerate act it's not like he has a bunch of people writing stuff for him no he writes all of it he only plays two instruments he plays the piano and the accordion that's it yeah and he orchestrates all of it you know he tells you know the, the band has input of course because he's worked with the same guys since the uh, the late 70s yeah and they're 20- what a band yeah i mean uh, uh john bermuda schwartz his his percussionist has been with him since his second dr demento appearance ever yeah. Where he banged on the accordion case as a drum for another, another one, one rides, rides the, the bus. bus. Yeah. And now, you know, Bermuda's, I mean, a, a legend to drummers. Everyone knows him because he can play any style on the same set. Yeah. Doesn't have to change anything out. He can play any genre. And he's played it through, you know, he's in his, I guess this would almost be their sixth decade that they've yeah. been a band. Yeah. Because um, they, they were together in the 70s, the very tail end of the 70s, like 78, 79. And now it's we're into 2020. Same band all this time. Yeah, that's uh, well, amazing. It's, it's John Bermuda Schwartz, uh, Steve Jay is his bass player, Jim West on guitar, and uh, a later addition is Ruben Valtierra uh, doing keys because yeah. they needed more stuff. Right. And it's the same band always. And I mean, what a you when you think of a comedy act, a novelty act, where it's all about one dude. The band is named Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> <laughs> True. You don't think, oh, he needs to have the same guys forever and be loyal to them and share profits right. and everything. But that's what he's done the whole right. time. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And yeah, and they are phenomenal. They're great live. Uh, I saw them on a their. So I've seen them on every tour since touring with Scissors in 1999, <laughs> which was for the Running with Scissors <laughs> that's album. Amazing. Um, I've seen them on every tour, and uh, so that means I've seen their regular shows with costume changes and and video right. interstitials. Right. And uh, all their instruments and all their backing tracks and everything. Then I saw them on their stripped down tour, uh, the ill advised uh, vanity tour. Uh, the, there that was, was like much, last year or something, much, right? It was a couple of years ago. Yeah. 
but it was there was even a longer name for it it was but it was essentially like yeah this is five guys in their 50s sitting on stools with no effects no costumes no videos and they they didn't do any of the parodies no parodies yeah Right. It was all all of his originals, which people don't give him the credit for, but they're honestly the best things on his album. What's that song? What's that one? The acoustic love song? What is it? You don't love, you don't me, love me anymore. It's so funny. Uh, yeah, and, and, and great live. So the next tour I saw him on, that was part of the rotation. The first time I'd seen it as part of the rotation. At the end, you know, the the gag when he plays it live, he doesn't play guitar. Right. He comes out and sits with an acoustic guitar. And he keeps going to play it, then he, he keeps sings going to again. Play yeah. it, and then he has to sing again because he's like retuning. And then as soon as he goes to strum, the lyrics come back and he takes it down. <laughs> yeah. Finally, at the end, he goes walking away all sad, turns around and smashes the guitar yeah. everywhere. Yeah, you've been doing that for. Yeah, he, st- he started doing that uh, on the Off the Deep End tour, for the album it was on, Off the Deep End, where he had the uh, Smells Like Nirvana, his yeah, yeah, Nirvana yeah. parody. That was a huge hit, yeah. But yeah, uh, so I saw them on that tour, the Ill-Advised Vanity Tour, where it's just super stripped down, all originals, like super B-sides, songs I never thought I'd hear live, like Nature Trail to Hell or The Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota. (laughs) And then the next tour was the exact opposite. Yeah. All costumes, all the hits, big screen video interstitials, and a full orchestra at every show. Oh my God. (laughs) And every time it was amazing. And Al did all the orchestration himself. He wrote yeah, the parts for the full yeah, orchestra. He's, he's actually a brilliant musician. He really yeah. is. He just picked this because he's a weird, funny guy. And yeah. Did you meet him? Uh, no, I've 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 not met Weird Al. I got to ask him a question at a Q and A one time, but that was like forty feet away yeah, through yeah, a yeah. microphone in front of a room full of people. So so let's just. I mean, re- yeah. What'd you ask? Yeah. Uh, so I I actually asked if he was ever planning to do something like a Broadway musical, and that led to him saying, "Well, I'm working on a project I can't talk about with Lin Manuel Miranda." I think it might have been the first time he said that publicly. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. that's great, awesome. And then, well, and then, so I just want to just quick minute. We we ran into you at uh, at the Puddles Pity Party right. show. What a great show, man! Yeah, and he played both of our theme songs. He did. He did. Because he he played his version of "I Want You to Want Me." Yeah. And he played his version of Royals, which yeah. is what I was using at the time. Yeah, so great, man. Yeah, what uh, a great was, show. It was the second time I'd seen him. I saw him in San Francisco, and it was during an era where definitely fewer people kind of knew who he was. And like at the show we were at, everyone's in on it from the beginning. The whole audience loves every bit of it. It's weird. He's walking through the crowd. It's strange. There's like these weird bits he does on stage. He shook hands with every single person yeah. in the crowd. Yeah. On, on his way to the stage, started the balcony. You will never see that again. No? Not post-COVID. Well, maybe. Who's shaking the hands with everyone in the room? You're probably right, yeah. All Uh, right, anyway, here we go. All right, Uh, question number three is, do you have a local small business that you would like to plug? So after the last time I was here, and I was horribly shamed to have no no answers for that, uh, I went ahead and with the help of my wife, I made a list. She recommended all the places that are local to here. And every place I thought of was local to where I lived in California. Okay, well, that's fine too. So the the ones save, that are, save some for next time, okay? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, uh, to get, get us get us a few. The the ones that are local to here are uh, which is At- Massachusetts uh, Atlas Farms, uh, which is a, a farm and a farm stand on five and ten in South Deerfield, really close to where we live. Super convenient. Uh, they've been great through COVID with um, being able to do online orders and pick oh, up great. in the parking lot. Awesome. Um, and then once they opened the in-store, they had a fantastic setup where it's all one flow through the store. And, they, you know, they have one person whose job is to watch everyone and make sure they're moving the right way. Cool. Really appreciate that. Great. Um, the other local one I'll mention is uh, Flavors, um, which is an ice cream ice cream stand. 
Uh, yeah, Cook, Cook, Cook Farm oh. uh, in, in Hadley. Uh, we, we actually went there yesterday. Uh, they also have been great with COVID. They have a one-way line that works really beautifully with, like, spots on the ground where you're supposed to stand. Great. They have a really cute sign that says, stay six feet apart, parentheses, roughly one cow. And then it's a person on either side of a cow. <laughs> great. they have yep. the cows out everywhere. So you can kind of get a visual. Perfect. Yeah, they're fantastic. We got a pile of their ice cream sitting in the freezer at home. Um, and they make, their own, they make their own ice cream. Yep. We'll have to go. How have we not gone? Um, Best knows these people. Oh, Christ. And then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll mention two places that I thought of in California. Sure. Because, uh, honestly, there's so much I miss about California. But when I think about the coffee places I used to like oh, to I go bet. to out yeah. there, like, I want to cry. I was I was watching an episode of Silicon Valley the other day, and they showed up with Phil's coffee cups, and I almost cried watching Silicon Valley. Um, <laughs> so uh, the the first is a place in um, in Oakland. It's on MacArthur Boulevard. It's called uh, the Hive, comma the place to be. B-E-E. Oh, clever, clever. Um, they uh, they're a fantastic little coffee shop, and they have this amazing uh, thing you can get at breakfast time that is. Uh, Biscuits with brown butter and honey. Oh. I uh, I make those at home now sometimes, and they are amazing. Okay, you have to tell me how to do that eventually. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh it's it's super easy. Happen comes together so fast. And then uh, the other one, there's there's a bunch. I, I won't stick to just coffee places. I'll save some because there's like five on my list. Great. Okay. Uh, but there is a place in Alameda, uh, which is a little island that they carved off of Oakland. That's in yep. the bay. You lived there for a little while, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the first place we lived. We were there for uh, about four or five months before we found a, a better spot. Um, not that Alameda's not good, just the apartment wasn't good. Right. Um, Alameda's beautiful. I mean, beautiful. This great big beach with uh, with windsurfing and kite surfing, and it's just gorgeous. And it's great because the water's really calm because it's the bay. So you right. can go out and do that. So you see people doing the paddle uh, surfing yeah, where they're yeah, upright, yeah. Right. and they're not rocking at all because the water is just really calm. Nice, nice. So awesome. Um, there is a place on Park Street called Toy Safari. Oh. It's across the street from an amazing ice cream shop called Tucker's. So this is kind of a twofer. All right, great. Uh, we would go to Tucker's and get some ice cream, and then we would go across the street to Toy Safari. It is – there are no new toys in Toy Safari. It's all old toys. And I mean, it, it awesome. should be a two-story room, but it's not. It's one story, and they just stack it all the way up. So you're looking 15 feet up, and there's a full-size Power Rangers Megazord oh, staring back cool. down at you. Are they for sale? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. And they've, they've, they've got ladders so they can pull the stuff down. But then as you're walking around, there's like pull-out drawers labeled McDonald's Toys, 1985. And you wow. open it, and it's just all those. And you go to the next one, 1986, and you're going down. They've got a whole section of Star Wars toys of every iteration and every generation. Cool. Dude. I mean, it's it's everything. And Nightmare. I think I probably bought, Best you would hate that place. I probably bought like six things there ever. Okay. And they were all under five bucks a piece. Oh, neat. That's great. Because I'm cheap. Um, but, but that's cool that you can do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, but uh, you're right. I, I had the restraint. Um, <laughs> but we would spend hours there. Probably once a month, just walking around, like jaws open, just staring at everything. And we'd always find something new and crazy. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's a place I really strongly recommend. Great. Uh, you know, for the next time you're in Alameda. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. That's great. What an awesome episode. Anything else? 
yeah, uh, just like last time, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Vicious. Buy my shirts. They're great. There's going to be new designs soon. Rip Bison just opened his Pro Wrestling Tees store. He has some great shirts. Go buy his shirts. Uh, I don't get any money from his, but, uh, you know, still support him. He's a good guy. He is go a good to, guy. Go to Levi's uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, prowrestlingtees.com slash The Loop is his. Okay. Uh, you know, because he's old school. He goes out on The Loop all weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, buy buy all of our shirts. Follow all of us on the internet. Every wrestler I mentioned is a good guy. Yeah, yeah. Like on this episode, I didn't mention anyone who was awful. We can I, name some shitheads next time. We could. Yeah, we could. Yeah. But, <laughs> but why give them the press? Good point. You know, this is where all eyes are in the wrestling industry is on this podcast when I'm on. Yes, right, yeah. Why, why give them the press? <laughs> good point, good point. But yeah, uh, follow, follow us all online everywhere. Find us, tell us, tell those guys you heard about them listening to Idol's podcast when I was on. Yes. And then tell them they should go on the podcast. Yes, they should. I already talked to... I already talked to Rip Bison about getting him on here. Good. We got to get him on. Good. That'd be great. He's, you know, uh, I I wasn't sure how he'd be on a podcast. Yeah, because Rip is. Uh, he can, yeah, he yeah. can be excitable, but he can also be like abrasive. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, he will he will speak his mind. He, he won't he won't mess around. He'll tell you what he thinks of something. Oh yeah, and that's iffy. And the first time he was on a podcast, I listened to it. I couldn't believe it. He was amazing. Well, maybe he was edited like crazy. Because I, I don't, I, you know, <laughs> I don't think he was. That's great. He had great stories, and he was funny, and uh, nothing like his in-ring persona. <laughs> Oh, on that note, on that note, guys, please subscribe to Idle Chat Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Castbox, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and Podcast Addict. Make sure you like our pages on Facebook and Twitter at Idle Chat Podcast. Thank you so much for doing this, and get on the giveaway. Get in on that giveaway. We talked about it earlier. Thank you so much for doing this, man. We got to have you back on a third time and talk for another hour and a half. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy. 